You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, a weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show. I am your host, Aaron Martin. We have a couple updates for you as we have taken a break from the Versus channel. But the good news is uh, we are going to be on the airwaves of Wild TV, which is the Canadian provider of outdoor television. So for our Canadian listeners, we look forward to, to catching up with you guys and uh, bringing you up to speed on what's happening within the Bass Edge community. A couple other uh, things that's, that's taking place. Uh, we will be introducing a little bit later in the show our new co-host that uh, is going to be helping myself out and be introducing him. Also, we'll be catching up with Joe Mitchell, which is a resident uh, down on the Red River who's a phenomenal fisherman. was able to catch up with him uh, there at the BASS Central Open. All that and more is just ahead, but first, let's take a short break, and then we will be right back. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we're back on The Edge, and as promised, uh, I have a new co-host that I would have the pleasure of introducing, and that is Outdoors Dan. Dan, how are you doing? Aaron, buddy, I'm doing awesome. What are you up to these days? Well, it's hard to believe, but we are actually in the process of starting season two. You know, i got to tell you, I'm really proud of you. That, that first season, you guys did an impeccable job. and uh, You know, I've been in the broadcast business for 10 years now, and I was really impressed the way you came out of the gate your first season. Uh, job well done, young man. Well, well, thank you. And, you know, I, I just owe that to really our entire team. I mean, and... Uh, it's just been a fun process. I feel very blessed to to be able to share those those fishing experiences and uh, you know provide the, the uh, techniques and and get to travel around the country doing what we do. You know. Sure. Well, I know you do. I know you enjoy it. I, I just the time we spent together at the St. Louis Boat and Sports Show earlier in the first part of the year. I, you could just tell the way you were talking with people, and you know I, I, that's what I really enjoy about the outdoors industry. I mean, you're on the fishing side. I'm on the hunting side, but. We both have the same passion for the outdoors, and, you know, I think my favorite thing about my job is just meeting new people. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right, because that's really what this is about. Had somebody not shared the outdoors uh, with myself, you know, certainly uh, I wouldn't be in this position, nor would, would Bass Edge be in existence. So uh, you get to meet just a lot of great people. Sure. Well, i got to tell you, it's a real honor for me to uh, have you ask me to help you do the podcast each and every week right here on the Edge, and i got to tell you, I really appreciate it. You bet. And, you know, and, and with that, Dan, I just want our listeners to know, I, I just think there's a tremendous uh, value that, that can come out of this and just the relation to the outdoors and making sure that we're really taking the edge to a new level. And that's, that's really the goal as we move into Season 2 uh, across the board with the website, with the podcast, the edge, you know, even with the television show. And I, I think you're going to be a great asset. Well, I look forward to it. It's, it's a nice break from doing my own TV show and then doing the radio shows twice a week. And uh, You know, I always enjoy having you on my radio show on Camelot in St. Louis every, every chance I can, and uh, I think this is going to be a good thing for everybody. You bet. Well, so where are you at? I'm actually in Kentucky. No kidding. Uh-huh. What are you doing down in Kentucky? We are, we're, we're filming. We're uh, currently, right now, I'm actually, uh, we got rained out, so uh, I'm actually setting in the in our resort here. So where are you staying at? We're actually staying at uh, the Kentucky Dam Village, and it's it's a great place. You know, this is really weird. I grew up at Kentucky Dam Village. Really? Yeah, my actually, my family uh, was born or in that area. My grandfather was born outside of Grand Rivers, Kentucky, which is uh, right on the lake. And matter of fact, the farm he was born on is underneath the lake right now. So every summer we go from St. Louis down to Kentucky Lake, and we'd stay at Kentucky Dam Village because it's right on the water. 
and you can either get into the main hotel there, or uh, do they still have the cabins, Aaron? Yes, they do. They yeah, do. see those. They, they, those, uh, those recently those. remodeled, uh, remodeled uh, the, the the motel rooms and that. It's just just a neat place. Oh, it's a wonderful place. We used to go there and we'd hop around the dam and we'd run a boat, and do some fishing and that, and then we'd go across the dam and go over towards Barkley, and uh, it's called the Land Between the Lakes over yeah. there. And there was a place over there. I don't know if it's still there or not. It was called the Diamond End, and or the Diamond. And we'd go there for catfish every night. And I, I got to tell you, that's real, that's neat. Uh, that brings back a lot of memories. Yeah, and that's one of the great things you know about this area is because uh, not only if, if you're fishing Kentucky Lake, you have very easy access to uh, Lake Barkley as well. You know, straight through the canal, and certainly you can drive around. But uh, it's going to be exciting. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, I can promise you one thing: it is going to be a fantastic show. Well, I, I can I can't wait for it because I know just from when we fished there a long time ago, and it's probably been probably seven eight years since I've been down there. The last time we just got into a tremendous amount of smallmouth, and you know the crappie. And I know you're a bass guy, but the crappie fishing down there is phenomenal. Oh yeah. And you know the big you know, one of the other big things down there. Have you uh, talked to some of the local fishermen about the catfish? No, but I I have not. But I have heard that uh, that that is also extremely extremely good. Oh, they go on the other side of the dam there in the river, and I mean that's big down there. They catch some just tremendously big catfish off that riverside. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Well, I tell you what, uh, we got a lot more to talk about and uh, kind of getting a tear in my eye that you're down there, my old stuff. <laughs> but uh, why don't we, uh, we better run and take a break and we'll get right back to more of The Edge when we come back from our sponsors. Give any type of boat The Edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, guys, welcome back to The Edge. And, Aaron, i got to tell you, I'm really excited about uh, a couple different things. One, I just got back from Lake of the Woods doing a tremendous walleye fishing trip. Caught my biggest walleye in the last five years, caught a 26-incher. And I know that you just got back from the Red River River area, and you got to catch up with one of your favorite fishermen. Who's that? Joe Mitchell. You know, and, and there's a funny story. You know, I want to set this up from of how Joe and I met, you know. About, uh, I guess it was about four or five years ago, uh, was heading down there to, to fish a tournament. It was a regional tournament. And uh, I just I just called the marina and said, hey, you know, I'd never been down there and not spent any time. Heard a little bit about it, did what research I could on, on the, uh, the website. But uh, bottom line, I just called a local marina down there and said, hey, who, who, can, uh, who can you put me in touch with to ask some questions? You know, talk about navigating the river, what the fish are doing, that type of thing. And lo and behold, I got in touch with uh, Joe Mitchell, uh, which happened to be the individual I talked with. It was um, her brother, and he called me right back, and, and we've had a great relationship ever since. He's a phenomenal angler, young guy, 25 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, you know, meeting people like that that are living in that area, that's got to be an invaluable tool for someone like yourself. Oh, it is. You know, when you travel all over the country fishing and, and trying to learn an area, and, you know, we, we just really try and, uh, you know, uh, adopt our, our own advice. And, and when you go into a new area, a lot of it, there, there can be a lot of tricks to just running an area. And that's really what I wanted to know. And uh, he was extremely, extremely valuable because he knew all the channels and where to run and where not to run. And uh, it's just been, you know, there again, just, just met a great, great friend who, who uh, we've had a lot of contact ever since. Well, cool. Well, I tell you what, you got me intrigued. Let's go listen and see what happens. Excellent. We are joined by a very good friend of mine that I had the pleasure of meeting uh, a couple years back, Mr. Joe Mitchell. Joe, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you uh, asking me to do this. It was a good week down on the Red River, and uh, looking forward to you getting to come back. Yeah, you know, it, uh, the funny thing about that is we, when we came down, didn't know what to expect. We had some, some high water for the... Uh, the BASS tournament, the central division that was down there. And, you know, it was almost, uh, we joked back and forth about the, the water fluctuating and the color changing. It was almost like fishing a tidal water because they, they were changing it so much. Yeah, when uh, Tex Homeway had been getting a lot of rain over the last few weeks and uh, they started dumping a lot of water and, you know, they would go two or three days without dumping and then they'd dump again. And 
so we were fighting the mud lines rolling in and out of the oxbows and stuff but all in all it was it was an experience it, that's the first time i've ever seen it like that in the summertime so well and that's um you know it's funny you bring that up and i, I want to go into detail as far as how to you know talk about the mud talk about the current but first, let's for those our listeners who haven't been to the Red River or maybe are planning a trip, what what do you expect as an angler when if you're coming down for the first time or maybe you've been down here before? What are some of the things that you need to look for on the river um, that are fish? Because there's a lot of water. You know, there's a tremendous amount of water. Right when, uh, like, if you come down this time of year, usually there's most of the time it's you know most of the fish are going to move out to the river on the rock jetties, you know, the uh, migrate migrational routes and stuff coming out of the oxbows and but um it, this was just different, man. I mean it was when you you know, you find some some water that would be real, real muddy, you know, and, and as it was they was pulling the water out, it would start to change. You know, the color would start to change on top first and, you know, the sediment line would start dropping and clearing up on top. And seeing that's where the fish were holding, you know, was in five foot of water, they'd be holding two foot off the surface because that was the clearest water, easiest for them to feed in. They'd get up underneath the logs and the shed. And that was that was the best part of this week was, you know, slow rolling spinner weights and stuff underneath the logs. And Well, you know, when you put together, uh, I think, the largest uh, bag weighed in on the non-boater side, um, which I think was, what, almost 15 pounds, right. and you ended up finishing sixth. Right. Um, you know, what were some of the keys over the course of those three days that you used? Uh, because you're really at the mercy of the the, the boater right. who has control of the boat and things like that. I mean, how do you go and put together that type of weight? Well, the the first day the the guy I fished with, he was he was on a uh, a flipping bite and his fish just they didn't eat and it didn't work out for him and and he asked me if I knew where we could go get a couple fish and we ran to some clear water and throw to top water and you know it was a spot I knew and, and we both got a, a couple of fish. He actually he he knew the spot and when he went in there I was like, Well, I'm gonna throw a top water and I think I can get a couple bites and and I got bit on that. But then the second day when when I weighed the, the big sack of fish was the guy I drew out with, he, he was fishing in the same area that I was fishing in practice and he uh he pulled up and and started fishing in the stumps my favorite stumps <laughs> when uh i i got to flip on them stumps and and man they were they were just on it that day and but it seemed uh like that second day what were you flipping on the stumps by the way uh black and red sweet beaver yeah. and um but the second day when the mud got a little thicker and it started rolling in and we had the the thunderstorm and the lightning it seemed like them fish got real real tight to the wood and man you could just you'd flip in there and and just kill it you know right beside the stump and, and the fish would just be there but and my guy he was fishing a little faster than he probably should have been so when you're talking about stumps because for those of us and let's let's set the stage as far as right. describing the red river because the red river it's the corps of engineers has came through correct and they built levees and, and dikes and to, to actually control the main channel but then the unique thing about it is it has all of this backwater which called these really it's individual lakes i guess is that correct is right. that the best way to describe right. it when um when they come in and put the locking dams in they flooded all these old farm ponds and stuff you know that that ran off of the river where people had cows and stuff you know so a lot like the stumps i'm talking about they set up on an old fence row okay and there's an old fence row and then a creek, and, and they're cottonwood stumps. Which are the bigger stumps, right? right? the bigger stumps. And the cottonwoods, they, you know, a cottonwood always grows right right on the bank of a creek. And, you know, a willow tree grows into the banks of a creek, you know, and, and leans out over the creek. Well, them cottonwoods, the over time, the currents coming through there and stuff, have the currents have washed the mud away from the roots. So the roots kind of just hang out, and they fold down over into them creeks, and that's where them fish pull up to, you know. They... So did does your, in in this scenario, because as the, the current was coming down, Texoma was releasing a lot of water, plus you've got, what, Caddo, and there's a couple other lakes that, right. that feed into this that I'm right. sure are releasing some water as well. Um, but with that being the case, was there more mud coming down? Is oh, that is that definitely. why the water? 
Definitely. The the as the currents kept coming in and and say like a uh, lock five would you know they would hold water because they didn't want to put so much on pool four. So when they hold water, you know the the water starts to spread out and it pushes the mud out of the river into the oxbows, and then you know they dump into four and does the same thing to pool four. You know and and then when so when the the water dumps into to pool four. Then you're just you're recreating that whole churning system all over again, and it's keeping things stirred up. Right. Well, you had said something earlier, and I think this is extremely important because when you and I had talked, um, you know, about shortly after the tournament, I mean, it was very unique in the fact that there was a couple guys that figured out that the bait had to be kept higher in the water table because as that those sediments were were actually or the mud was actually settling, um, it was actually dirtier down lower than what it was up higher so by using a, a spinnerbait and crankbait talk a little bit about that and then also about the logs being which way they had to face in the current some things along those lines well when the it seemed like the the mud line had settled down like probably 18 inches to two foot you know off the surface and the logs that were laying north and south you know the current runs north and south so the the logs that were laying north and south you could get on the south side of the the south end of the log and throw up to the north end of the log and just slow roll it back keep it you know above that 18 to 24 inches mark underneath the log and when you're rolling it back you know just barely creeping it along and it looks like shad or, or pushing down that log with the current and it seemed that that was what was working the best you know for a lot of anglers in that BASS couple well weeks. and the, and the key was not only the direction of of the bait but also again moving that bait very slowly right slow the slower the better it seemed the whole the whole week i mean it seemed like you if you were going to reel it any faster you weren't going to get no bites i mean it was barely creeping your bait along well on the on the river specifically you know when you have because you had mentioned earlier that you know you've never seen the river like it was with the the amount of mud that was everywhere but you grew up on the river i mean you knew the river before uh, you knew the irrigations before with ditches and the creek channels and the four-wheeler paths and all that stuff before it was ever flooded. But what impact does, you know, the, the fluctuation and the current changing, how important are, are the current and, and the water levels and that to have success on the Red River? Well, like this time of the year, I always like to fish a little bit of current, but I've never had to fish this much current with this much mud, you know. So, the, like, a, one guy, he was a local. He did real well in that BASS tournament. He uh, he was sitting in the, the main stream of the current. It was backwater, but it, it's a spot that really holds a lot of current. It's, uh, it's a real steep, defined point comes off, of, off the bank. And uh, he was sitting there, and there was a lot of stumps, you know, all, that come off of this point. And... The current over the years, like I was talking about, has washed the mud out from underneath the roots of these stumps, you know, because all these stumps, are, you know, they're dead trees. All the trees died off when they flooded with the backwater. And, uh, but these roots, he was flipping into them roots and just kind of just holding his bait in the roots. Well, he was having to throw a real, real heavy weight, you know, so when he flipped in there, it would sink straight down and, and go into the roots of the tree instead of floating all the way back halfway to the boat. But he was saying, you know, when he, when it hit bottom, you could just sit there and hold it in them roots and just barely shake it. And he said, all of a sudden, man, they just load up on it. So, so do you think that those those bass on in that particular instance are they nosing into those bigger trees to break the current? Right. Is that any anything that comes around it with the current, anything coming around that stump, they're ambushing. And uh, you know that when they when they nose into it, it seems like if your baits. You know, on the just on the other side of the stump, and you just barely wiggle it, and it shows up in its face. It's just a, you know, automatic. I'm gonna eat that bait. You know. What about as far as the pressure? I mean, you know, I know the the week that uh, the BASS when we were down there, um, there was also an oilman's tournament. You know, there was a Reeves tournament the week before. The oilman's I think had a couple hundred boats. Reeves I think had you know a hundred boats. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, yes, there is a lot of water. But it was also fishing extremely small, given the size of the acreage that you know that you have to fish. Uh, seemed like the fish were concentrated. You know, four individuals coming to the river to try and have success. 
talk about you know size of baits, pressure, current, those type of things. What do people need to prepare, or what do they need to look for? Well, it's funny you said that because the day that I caught that big sack of fish, uh, I had one that was four twelve, and it seemed like you know the when we went through them stumps the first time, you know, I did get a couple bites, but they weren't in there like they had been being. And I think it was because of the pressure. I I threw it on the left-hand side of the boat. You know, our stumps are on the right. I threw it on the left-hand side of the boat at, at a, a twig that was like one inch around. You know, and, and when I throw it over there, over four, almost a five-pounder laying on it, you know. And I, I think that that's reflection of them stumps being thrown on so many times and maybe somebody not keying in on the on the little bitty small twigs and stuff like that i think that uh the guy that i was fishing with he did just about the same thing he caught one off of a i mean it was a stump that you couldn't see just barely you know because the water was so muddy and the stump was about six inches underwater he flipped over on the stump and and you know it's probably a stump that not a couple boats come by and just didn't even throw at it so you think because of the pressure they moved off the on their primary right and, and just moved shifted over onto some of the smaller structure that wasn't getting pounded exactly it seemed like uh the stuff that you know that's real visible to the eye some people might have been you know missing what you couldn't really see and therefore you know brush tops and stuff like that probably would have helped you a lot you know when you come down and there's lots of pressure and stuff so. mm-hmm. what about as far as navigation you know, the Red River is, is fairly, you know, it's a buoyed in the main rivers. Um, and then some of the backwaters and some things like that. You know, it's, I, I don't think, I think it's a little intimidating, but it's not to the point to where I, I think it's going to handicap anyone who wants to just take their time. Can you talk a little bit about learning, you know, how to get in and how to gain access to some of these backwaters and describe those scenarios as well? Well, most of the, you know, the, the red and the green buoys, you know, they, you know, the, going south you keep the green on your right and the red on your left but on most in most cases when you go into them lakes and stuff you can run parallel with the rock jetties running up against them because there's deeper water along there and uh most of the time you know the stumps and stuff have been cleaned out while they were adding in the rock jetties but as far as running into the lakes and stuff you know there's some places where that have old deep sloughs that run through there and you know they're kind of visible to the eye and you can run them a lot so. yeah. and you know if you just when in doubt if you just slow it down and take your time definitely because you don't want to stick your boat on one of them sandbars <laughs> yeah <laughs> that or a big old oak tree or a big old cottonwood tree yeah, that's right <laughs> but uh you know and, and that's what's so diverse i mean you've got pool five which is you know mainly Clark's Marina uh, coming out of there. That's predominantly known in that area. But then you've got Pool Four and then Pool Three, and all are, are very very different. Um, do patterns carry over from one pool to the next, whether it be a flipping bite or crankbait or spinnerbait? Yeah, a lot of times it does. But there is times to where you know if Pool Five is is dumping water, you know the water's falling in Pool Five. It means it's rising in pool four and you know a lot of times fish will pull off banks and stuff when the water's falling so you know when you go to pool four and it's rising down there you know the fish may be a little shallower or if they're draining four and, and dumping into three you know it, it'd be the same thing there so that's one one thing that you try to key in on you know it's a lot easier to fish fish that are in rising water than it is in falling water so and you know talking about the the red river it can be it's a great great fishery but it can also be a little humbling as far as trying to put together in a tournament specific situation trying to put together you know some weight um just catching fish i mean you hear a lot about the crankbait bite on the levees and you know what is a tried and true way to go out you know and catch you know some keepers well during the summertime i know that it wasn't like this when you were down here but when you you know a lot of times you can get on them rock jetties that run north and south in the summertime you know when the water clears up a little bit and you know get on the south end and start working your way north on them and throwing crankbaits and stuff and man you can just wear them out it's so much fun you you know you'll throw that crankbait and get you know within two foot of the rock jetty and just start cranking it down and as it comes over a rock man they'll just smash it it's fun now, are you on the inside or are you on the main river side? Oh, uh, you want to be where the current is, where the current on is. the outside. And some of them rock jetties that have breaks in them are going to have currents on the inside of them, too. So, therefore, to work on 
on them also but you definitely want to start your way going from south to north to where you're bringing your crankbait with the current and that's uh that seems to be the best way to catch you know all the fish you want to catch down here yeah and then as the the spring and the the summer pattern the spring and, and fall patterns those the, they're mainly focusing on the backwaters then yeah the, seems like you know your first cold front hits you know the fish kind of start migrating into the the oxbows, you know, and, and you get on them little migration routes and stuff that's got grass in them, and you can throw crankbait and rattle trap, man, and you can just wear them out. That's fun. Yeah. And uh, then come spring, you know, they're pretty deep into the, into the lakes, and, and them leaning logs, they spawn them leaning logs a lot, and, man, you can just, them big dudes get in there and just lay on them logs. It's fun. In closing, Joe, what's your favorite, uh, you know, we're about out of time, what's your favorite way to, to fish? favorite way to fish is, is without a doubt is going in there and flipping on big cottonwood stumps with a you know black and red beaver that's just fun to me well you know the, the funny thing is I'm, if yeah, i think if your boat's sitting in deeper than 10 foot of water it's because you got to run through it to get there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you made the comment not too long ago my you know my my bait doesn't get any any deeper than five foot and right. so I noticed you don't have much much uh, line on your on the reel. So, but uh, no, Joe. Thanks so much for being part of the Edge, and uh, you know, just a, you're probably one of the top money winners, and you are definitely the authority on on the Red River. And I know Clark's Marine has has had a lot to do with that. Um, but also, you know, talk a little bit you know, one last time about you know you're fairly young, and how do you learn, or how do you get put yourself in a position to learn as much of what you did. Uh, for your age well it, uh, you, you know being on the water a lot it's hard on your wife sometimes right. sometimes they get mad at well, you well do you mind do you mind saying how old you are no I'm, okay. I'm 25 yeah 25 and my uh, you know I've got a good wife that lets me go fishing luckily and we just had a little boy you know and it makes it tough to fish a lot but I mean you know she lets me go and I spend so much time out there. My dad owns Clark's Marina, you know, so I just go by and pick my dad up, you know, and we go fishing all the time, and it's just, that's how you learn a lot, you know. And just paying attention. Yep, paying attention, watching that old man work sometimes. He he can sure catch them, so. Well, and the thing that I respect is, you know, as much as well as what you do on the river, um, you still, for instance, during the BASS tournament, you still fished from a co-angler's side, and you still learned something. Oh, without a doubt. And that speaks volumes, I mean, because even you're fishing with guys who don't fish on the river all the time, and you're still picking up, and, you know, picking up tips and techniques, and uh, it's just, I, I think that's the, one of the reasons that you've had so much success. So, Joe, I wish you the best of luck, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's Joe Mitchell from Castor, Louisiana, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Joe. Thank you, Aaron. Hey, thanks, Joe. Wasn't that a great interview, Dan? You know, Aaron, i got to tell you, I was really impressed with him. And can I ask you a couple questions? Sure. Uh, me being a, what I call an amateur fisherman, I've been fishing all my life, but, you know, we talk about this a lot on, my, on the radio show. I always don't know the correct terminology. What exactly is the difference between flipping and pitching? Well, you know, flipping is, um, is essentially you're using a, actually what's called a flipping stick, which is a re, normally a retractable uh-huh. uh, about seven ten to eight foot uh, in length, and then instead of actually engaging your reel every time to free spool so that you can actually kind of make a cast, you're essentially grabbing the line with your left hand. If you're right-handed and you're holding the rod in your right hand, you essentially you grab the line with your left hand. You pull it back, and then you're more or less you're just dropping that bait very subtly down next to your target. For instance, like a stump in in this case. Uh, and then you just let that float down. When it hits bottom, you maybe you shake it a couple times. You then take your left hand again. You pull the line back. You don't use your reel. You just pull the line back. You go to the next stump, and you just set it in there. It's almost, if you kind of think of it like the, the old days of a cane pole. Mm-hmm. Remember how you used to take a cane pole and just kind of set it in the water? Sure. That's really what flipping is. Now, pitching, on the other hand, in your left hand, you're actually taking your lure. Let's say a jig or, you know, creature bait or whatever the, the plastic, soft plastics happen to be. And then you're actually, you have your thumb bar engaged so that your reel can, can free spool if you're using a bait caster. And then you're going to take an underhand, and as you come forward, you let go of the bait in your left hand. And then that spool will actually allow line to take off. And normally, you know, you're going to make cast, or a, I should say a pitch, 
up to about 30 to, you know, 50 feet with wow. accuracy. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a long cast to me. It is, but, you know, really what you're trying to do, pitching works really well, um, you know, under docks or uh, next to laydowns and logs or something like that. But when you make an overhand cast, which is, or a sidearm cast, you know, the traditional casting methods, the downside of that is, is you're going to make a big splash. And really, with pitching or with flipping, you're looking for that subtle presentation, that, that low-impact entry into the water so that you don't spook the fish away. In addition, you know, if you're cast or trying to pitch in underneath a dock, you know, you, you can't really make a, a sidearm or an overhand cast because you're trying to get it under the flotation device or the capsulated foam, let's say, of a dock. So it's, it's just a technique that, that works really, really well, and it's going to help you catch more fish. Well, it sounded like Joe really had that down per, to perfection, didn't he? Well, he does, and I mean, you know, not only that, but then coupled with just his knowledge growing up on the river um, at a very, very early age, you know, that's just testament to to the sport of, of bass fishing has no bearing whatsoever on age or you know, sex or, uh, you know, handicap or anything else. Well, I was really impressed with the fact that he he came in six on that Cole Angler side event. Now, that's, that's is that the other, the other term for that, like a non-boater? Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. that's exactly right. And, yeah, to come in, um, because when you're fishing from the, the back of the boat in a co-angler or non-boater perspective, really you're at the mercy of... Of, of the pro who has control. You know, basically, uh, the pro gets to determine where you go, has full control of the trolling motor, and so, you know, the non-boater really has to be uh, quite creative in coming up with ways to put fish in the boat because, you know, a lot of these guys are, are very, very good, and then some of them are like fishing behind a saint. So, mm-hmm. you know, to come in, uh, what he did out of 170 guys, I mean, that's, that's definitely respectable. Well, it sounds to me like he's, he's really doing some sight fishing there, and it's working out big time for him. Very much so. Very much awesome. so. He's got, he's got an exciting future ahead of him. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to see uh, that on the TV show. You know, Aaron, this is really one of my favorite parts of the podcast, and that's when you get listeners involved. And it's time for the Edge uh, giveaway and email question of the week. I'm excited. Are you? I'm very excited. I always like to uh, give away free stuff and get some of these, this great stuff that we have to in the hands of, of the anglers. Well, let's give the best news first. Who won, uh, who won the prize this week and what did they win? We actually uh, have Tom from Iowa City, Iowa. So, oh, Tom, Tom, I have some great news. Uh, this week's product giveaway is by MegaWare Keel Guard, who makes just, uh, just a tremendous amount of boat protection products. But specifically this week, you are going to be the new owner of the MegaWare Keel Guard, which is... Uh, it's just a great product. goes on the keel of the boat, protects, uh, protects the keel, allows you to pull up on boat ramps or on the bank where, uh, where on these lakes that don't have courtesy docks. So uh, we will get that shipped out, and you'll be getting that in the next few days. Man, that's a great prize. That's over 100 bucks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's about $150. So, that's a great deal, Aaron. Yeah, he that's came awesome. out very well on that one. Yeah, he did great. And then uh, this email, the winner of the email, or the lucky email question of the week is from Dan in Hudsonville, Michigan. And Aaron, if you can help me out on this, Dan wants to know, with all he's hearing about shaky heads, is there a special way to rig the worm that works better than another? What type of jig head makes the worm stand up? Yeah, Dan, that's, that is a great question, and I actually uh, threw that out to one of our pro staff members who uh, oftentimes has a shaky head always rigged up on the end of his rod, and that is uh, Mike Webb. But to you know, to answer as far as the rigging uh, aspect of it, a lot of the shaky heads have uh, bait holders that, that protrude at about a 45-degree angle off of the lead or the eye of the hook. And uh, the, the ones that we like the best are the ones that look really like a spring, and it's a coil piece of wire that is coiled. And what that allows you to do is, let's say if you're throwing like a finesse worm, you can screw that bait onto there, and it stays on there very, very well. And then you, you essentially you just insert the hook like you would into a Texas rig worm, and then skin hook it, which basically means you, you exit the bait, uh, with the hook, and then mm-hmm. you bring the tip of the hook back right into the bait to allow when that fish clamps down on it, it doesn't have the, the total amount of rubber to break through. It just has just a little bit to ensure that you're going to have a quality hookup. Now, as far as the head design, you know, there's there's a little bit of, Mike brought up a good point when we were kind of analyzing Dan's question, in the fact that if, if you're throwing this on chunk rock or, you know, a rougher bottom, that head really allows you or is designed to keep that bait elevated at about a 45-degree angle off of the bottom. However, as you're bringing that across, uh, you know, uh, the rough bottom, that bait will roll a little bit. And that's why a lot of times a football-style head works extremely well. And what I mean is that if you're looking at the profile of that head, it's really shaped like a like a football. Mm-hmm. And so as you bring that over the rocks, uh, it does two things. A, it's going to ensure that 
try to maximize that that bait is kept off, off up off of the bottom, but it's also going to help prevent snags and uh, make sure that you get that, that lead head back back into the boat. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Dan, I hope that helps you out there in Hudsonville, Michigan. And you know what, folks, don't forget to send in a question or a comment, and uh, you're going to be put into the drawing to win a prize. Yeah, he's, he's entered in uh, for next week's drawing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great deal. And how can they do that again, Aaron? Uh, it's, it's very easy. You just uh, really just send in an email to podcast at BassEdge.com, and then in the, uh, the subject line, just put in product giveaway or listener email question, and then in the, the uh, body of the email, just uh, simply list your, your name and address, and uh, we'll get that shipped out to you when you are the lucky winner. Uh, that's outstanding. I tell you what, folks, we're going to run and take another break. When we come back, I believe our Tech Tips segment is coming up, and Aaron, if I'm not uh, mistaken here, Jake Tippy's up next, isn't he? That's right. Got some exciting stuff on uh, on these new Arctic reels that are coming out. All right, we'll have all that for you right here on the edge when we come back. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, guys, welcome back to The Edge. This is Outdoors Dan. He's Aaron Martin, and it's time to head for the tech tip. And, you know, Aaron, I'm really intrigued because you told me we're going to get some inside information from uh, this gentleman on what? Well, uh, believe it or not, it's on some new technology that's coming out uh, with Ardent Reels, and it's not going to take place to the common public until the ICAST show out in Las Vegas. Well, you got to love that. I, you know, I always love getting inside information to get the edge on uh, my fellow competitors out there. So, hey, let's go check it out. Sounds good. I had the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Jake Tippy from Ardent Reels. Jake, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I, I really appreciate it. We're pretty excited to be here. Well, you know, Jake, Arden is, is relatively, you know, it's it's a newer company, um, which manufactures just some very high-end, high-quality reels. And, uh, you know, but before we get into the specific models and all the great things that's going to be coming out here in the next uh, five or six months, I want to find out what in the world possessed you guys to, uh, to start an American-made reel company in the United States. David Gray is the original founding father of the company, and he used to work in fishing tackle uh, retail for a while, for about 25 years uh, to be exact, and very knowledgeable person, very great person to be associated with, and he heard over the years the responses that people were giving him, you know, basically uh, trouble with foreign products every year, one would break down, they'd have to go, go in and buy a new one, and he really wanted to give back to the fishermen a good reel made in the USA that people were missing. And what's, re- what's really unique about David is he never had an idea in his mind about what reel he wanted to make. It was It's all from the fishermen. So what he did is he went around and basically went to bass clubs, uh, talked to fishermen, said, hey, boys, what do you want? And that concept has led us to what is now Ardent Reels and our excess design. Well, and we, you know, with that being said, that's just point proven that instead of it being from top down of, of taking a concept and trying to, you know, merge it into the market, you know, it sounds to me like Arden is based on identifying with the wants and the needs of the anglers first and then designing around those wants and needs. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, we tell everybody, we want you to be satisfied at the front of your boat, not at the fishing counter. We're not looking for the fancy features. We just want to provide you a reel that is very high quality and it's going to last. And then there's a there's a neat story as far as where these you know where you're located um, geographically as well. Can you share a little bit of that before we get into kind of some of the specifics? Absolutely. Toastmaster used to be in Macon, Missouri, which is an hour north of Columbia, and a lot of people in Macon, Missouri, work for that company. When that company got shipped over to China, it left a lot of people out of work. And when Arden came around, the state really wanted us to provide those people with jobs again. And we have done that. And it is just a fabulous place to work. Very good people. Very hardworking people. And we couldn't be more happy. Well, and, and it's such a neat story because not only, you know, now you've designed a, uh, a reel that, that fits the anglers, but you've also helped put, uh, 
put people back to work who are otherwise displaced and, and would have been out of a job. Absolutely. So let's let's transition now into the uh, the product specifics on the you know the reels themselves. You know, kind of your flagship was the XS model, um, right. which really started you know started the product line. Um, but now you you're transcending into some some other models as well. And then I also want you to talk a little bit about uh, what is called this precision uh, manufacturing, if you would. Okay. Well, the XS model is the flagship reel in our company. That was the one that was designed not by David Gray, not by anybody in the company, but by the fisherman. He went around to bass clubs, started forming people's hands, um, asking the people, do they want aluminum, they want magnesium, you want plastic, what do you want? You know, how many ball bearings do you want? How many of this, how much of that? And you want it to last, you know, three-year warranty, we'll stand behind it. Well, that's what we give people. And the XS model, um, from what people have given us, is a magnesium frame, one piece, quick-release side plate, three-year warranty, made in the USA, 10 ball bearings, and just a fabulous reel. Some of the newer products we have coming out, you know, is the spinning reel and also a new bait caster. The excess frame, as the industry is changing to smaller, more lightweight reels, is kind of outdated. And I don't say that in bad terms, mm -hmm. but it is getting a little outdated. Now, the reel is still a fantastic reel, and we still have a lot of people who love the reel. But for the people that like to flip and pitch, we want to be able to provide to them, too. That's what we came out with with the new C-Series. It's called the C-400. It's a four-ball bearing, lightweight, aluminum frame, awesome, awesome reel. Still has the same three-year warranty, made in the USA, uh, six-pin centrifugal brake system, a brand-new quick-release side plate that is just awesome, and still has the same great casting performance and backlash resistance that our, that our XS provides. Talk a little bit about the warranty. When you say three-year warranty, you know, is that uh, what does that what does that cover? Because that's that's pretty unheard of in the industry to have a, a three-year warranty on a reel. It is. It is very unheard of in this industry. Um, but we want to ensure our customers that we you know we will provide them the highest quality. And three-year warranty means if anything, if you are dissatisfied with your reel in any way, send it back. We will fix it and have it back out to you within 48 hours. What about as the you know when you talk about the the XS series and, and then of course we're coming out with the new the C series. You, you also have some auxiliary products uh, that basically you went out into the market to hire some engineers to design uh, concerning the real butter and the real grease. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. Um, well, you know we are 100% made in the USA company and everything from our clothing the screws we use, to the bearings, to everything we use in them is 100% American made. And we did not have an American oil and grease company that was being put in our products. So we had to design our own line of oils and greases. And that's where we came out with real butter. Now, real butter, 100% synthetic uh, lubricant, made in the USA, and is absolutely awesome. We've had it tested at a Texas Oil Tech Laboratory, it's an ISO certified lab against competitive products, and the, the tests confirm that Arden Real Butter and Grease is the number one fishing lubricant available today. So we are very excited about that. Now, can that be used on, let's say, for those um, who haven't yet made the transition over to, to Arden Reels, who have some other reels, or maybe they, they own a, currently own a couple and they have some other brands of reels in their arsenal, uh, does it only used, you know, to be used specifically on Arden, or does that uh, is that cross-categorical to where it can be used? On oh, absolutely reel? not. You can use it on any reel, any time, and it will also bond to any other product that is already on there. You don't have to clean all the existing oil and grease off of your reels. You can add ours, and it will bond right to them. So, great product. It sounds like, uh, you know, just the, the ongoing uh, research and, and development uh you know that has went into to these products are, are just astounding, and I've got I've got to say I mean one of the things you know recently uh, I was down at the uh, the Red River uh, fishing a BASS Central, and and one of the bites that I was actually on was you know throwing a frog. Well, it was across these these big grass mats and lily pads, and of course you know a lot of times those fish like to burrow up right in the middle of those things. And uh, my co-angler was with me, and you know, I was throwing the XS model, and I had that frog on there. Well, the casting distance on those things were just phenomenal. And, you know, I was able to cast, uh, you know, probably about 
25 to 30 yards farther uh, with very little effort with, you know, with a co-angler back in the back trying to, you know, just absolutely stress his arm, trying to get, the, you know, his bait out into the center of it. And, you know, I've got to say that the distance that you can cast with accuracy uh, without getting backlash is, is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, there's definitely something that, that you guys have done differently uh, within the quality um, of being able to cast those reels like, like that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, really neat to see. And if you haven't had one in your hands, you know, I definitely suggest that, uh, you know, you get to the, to the local store and, and try one out. Um, what about the, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, amongst your company about this precision manufacturing. And right. I'm not an engineer, you know, but I know some, I know what I like when I use it. Can you talk about what that means? Well, precision engineering, um, I'm not going to give away too many secrets to the company, but sure. for example, if you look, if you take one of our reels apart and you notice where the bearing is seated, where the spool shaft meets the bearing, that bearing is protected behind a magnesium frame. And I'm not much of an engineer either, and <laughs> some of this talk is over my head, but yeah. I know that when your spool shaft hits your bearing, it has to be in one thirty thousandth of an inch perfect alignment. And if you think about it, some of the older competitive reels used to have the bearing seated on the side plate. And if you're rolling down the lake on a windy day and you're bouncing on the waves, that bearing can move a little bit. And when that bearing moves, your casting performance falls off tremendously. So that is kind of one of our secrets behind the long casting of this reel. And we're really excited because we have gotten a reputation for becoming one of the longest casting reels on the market. And one of our <laughs> complaints is people are out casting their spool. They're casting all the line off. Well, yeah, exactly. It's it's like the days of you know uh, putting backing on your on your reel. Uh, <laughs> you better make sure you don't put too much on there. Or you're going to be throwing your knot out there and the, you know beyond the 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 reach of your rod. Absolutely. And what we have done now is we've actually designed a high capacity spool that will fit all three of our new model bait casters. And I think that is just going to be a fantastic item. It is anodized red, so if you have braid or anything else, like if you're throwing a fluorocarbon and you want to change to a braid, you don't have to take all your line off, swap this spool in. It's kind of the idea of having a spare spool on your spinning reels. Now we have it for a bait caster. It's kind of an industry first, and we think it's really going to take off, and we are very excited about that. And it still provides the same long cast that our other spool provided, just with a little extra line. And how easy is that to change? Very easy. Now, I mean... Very, very easy. And if anybody has not seen our reel and seen how easy it is to take apart and clean, same thing goes with that. You just pop that side plate off, pop the spool out, put it back in, you're ready to go. You know, in our last few minutes here, Jake, I want you to talk also about, um, you know, it's recommended, unlike most reels, when you see go to the reel counter at the tackle store and, you know, guys get in there and they flip the handle and, uh, you know, see how for how long that the spool will sit there and spin. You know, that's that's really not a testament to what the reel is going to do under pressure once you get it under load and stress of a, pulling a lure or pulling a fish. Talk a little bit about the break-in period on an ardent reel, which is it's, it's something new to the industry. Right. Well, you know, we have been very con conditioned as fishermen to do just like you said: walk to the counter, push that button, spin that spool, feel how smooth it is. And it really gives no justice to how the reel is going to perform on the water. And it's, it's very frustrating because nobody casts for two minutes. Your lure is not going to stay in the air for two minutes. <laughs> and, you know, it's just been one of those things that we're conditioned to. We have designed a reel that we don't really care too much about those things at the counter. We care about them performing at the front of your boat. And if you notice, when you spin that spool, it's probably going to spin for maybe four, five to ten seconds, maybe, somewhere in that range. And what the benefit is with that is when you cast, and if you have a free, a free spool going where it's going to spin for two minutes, you watch your line bark, and you've really got to feather your thumb on the line to keep it from backlashing. With ours being a backlash-resistant reel, you really don't get that line bark where it wants to jump up and backlash. It gets a nice, easy, smooth release off your spool. And that's, that, again, is one of our secrets to the um, precision engineering that we have in our company. Well, and the other thing, you know, just to tack on to that a little bit, too, is, you know, I, I like to throw a crankbait as well. And when you're, you know, retrieving a crankbait or a spinnerbait or a reaction-style bait, you know, it's very important that you have that 
those gears and the internal mechanisms that you're not getting any vibration transferred over to the handle because, you know, a lot of times when, if the fish are just ripping, you know, a crankbait or, or spinnerbait, it's not too hard to tell to detect a strike. However, it's those subtle movements, whenever you feel that change in vibration, maybe when the fish aren't necessarily, you know, just absolutely attacking the thing, that it's very important that that transfers over into your feelings so that, you know, that you're not going to miss a fish or be able to detect strikes that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to feel. And I, and I think that's one thing that you guys have done through this, you know, this precision engineering and manufacturing. So Right. Um, and, you know, going back to your break-in period, too, the, the reel just gets smoother. And like you're talking about with the bait, you know, filling uh, crankbaits, it's just unbelievable. When you get that reel broken in, you can almost feel a fish swim by it on a crankbait. It's absolutely amazing. Well, you know, unfortunately, we are out of time. I can promise you one thing. You will be back on here because I want to get into more of the specifics on, on cleaning and some things like that. But this helps our, our listeners uh, get a general idea as far as what goes behind Arden, which is much more than just a quality fishing reel. It's a whole culture of a company uh, that has decided to take the risk and, you know, to, to, to start something that's made in America 100%. Uh, all the way down to the lubricants that's used on it. How can our listeners find out more information or get in touch with Arden to uh, to find out some additional information? Well, you can go to our website. That's www.ardentoutdoors.com. Uh, you can find our full list of products there. You're not going to find our new 2008 products there yet. Uh, we will be introducing them at ICAST. They will be ready for shipment August 1st, and we are very excited about it. You can also find them in uh, some of your local uh, bait shops, and if they don't have them, let us know. We'll get them in there. Is there a telephone number, Jake, that they could call in the event that they don't have web access? Absolutely. Our number um, is 660-395-9200. 660-395-9200. All right. Well, we heard it here first, uh, even before uh, before it gets debuted on, on ICAST. So, Jake, thanks so much for your time, and, and uh, thanks so much for the education on, on uh, the quality of, the, of your reels. Oh, well, I thank you guys for having us, and uh, congratulations on your win down at Table Rock. Well, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, Jake. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, guys, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this week's show. Aaron, I tell you what, that uh, time just goes by so quick. Man, it does, and when you have, you know, such such great interviews, it's just amazing how quickly it flies by. Oh, it does. Hey, we got a couple of thank yous we need to get out. We want to thank our fine friend, Joe Mitchell, and that tech tip from Mr. Uh, Jake Tippy was awesome, and so thanks to both those gentlemen, and We've got a pretty neat deal coming up next next week, Aaron. Why don't you tell us who's up? Yeah, we've got uh, Steve Clapper, which uh, for fishing enthusiasts who, who follow the tournament circuit, Steve is lights out in the upper Midwest, really anywhere he goes, but uh, certainly in this case, this is an interview you don't want to miss. It's going to be fishing big waters, Lake Erie, Lake St. Clair, uh, getting into specific techniques and just uh, boat care, boat driving skills, all that type of stuff. All right, well, don't forget now, folks, you can go to BassEdge.com 24 hours a day to get up to date on all the local fishing and TV information. And until we meet again, I'm Outdoors Dan, he's Aaron Martin, and we'll see you next week right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edge's The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.